Welcome to the Conversations Podcast, special Married People 2024 edition. This is Sean Stover. I'll be hosting. I have my wife, Christina, here with us this yes, morning. Yes, thanks for having me. Good morning. Good morning. I did say morning. It, you may be not listening in the morning, but we are recording in the morning. And Taylor and Jose Abaroa. It's great to be back. Yeah, good morning. I feel like this is a great way to get the day started as a conversation on marriage, clinging, all the things. Yeah, just getting to be here with our wives and talk about marriage. So session two of Married People this week, uh, the, the word, do you want to try to pronounce it, uh, either one of y'all? I am sticking with debak. 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 That sounds great. So debak is this idea that we stick together through the highs and lows of life. It's it's resilient love. God loves us through the valleys. I think there's a lot of the Psalms that talk about him going through the valley with us or as we go through the valley. He doesn't promise us to fly over the top of those things. He says, we're going to go through them, but he's going to go through them with us. And in different places, he'll find springs that refresh us in those difficult times. And uh, he'll certainly find great places for us to lay down and rest and find the sustenance we need when we're in difficult places. And that's what he does. That's how he loves us. And that's how we want to love each other in marriage. And that's what he calls us to do. Um, So it's not always going to be great. There's going to be lows and there's going to be highs with times to celebrate, but we get to do that together. So, But I think when you first get married, you think it's going to be all that, you know? So let's be honest, when you first get married, you know, I don't see all the, the... Things that you do now that we've been married 28 years. I think that's probably true for a lot of people, but our four and a half year dating career taught me that it wasn't going to all be highs. (laughs) Um, Our our four month dating and five month (laughs) engagement did not prepare us for for that. Well, that's your own fault. (laughs) (laughs) Some different expectations, thinking that that be a lot more ease. And we yeah. were prepared more than we were. Yeah. And you don't always know that. So you get in there and right. you learn quickly yeah. that, okay, this is going to take some work and some perseverance and some endurance. And that brings us back to that word, yeah. the Bach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Maybe we should do a better job at the wedding ceremony when we say for better or worse, richer or poor, we should just spell those out a little bit better, right? Maybe we say for better, like when you win the lottery or you just got the promotion or the kids are all doing what they're supposed to for worse though. And then you just really spell that out, you know, when he's not doing what he's supposed to around the house or doing his chores or hard stuff comes. I don't think you'd be asked to do another wedding if that's Uh, how you did it. Which wouldn't be a bad thing either. All right. So you guys taught, thank you so much, Jose and Taylor for teaching on Sunday and around this concept. What were some of the things that you walked away from for your own marriage. So we talked about how debacle means clinging. And like we just discussed, the beginning of our marriage was more of a clash mm-hmm. than a clinging together. For one, um, I was never taught that you really leave to cleave. You don't leave your family. You don't leave your friends. And so we had, I had a strong sense of family before where it was really difficult to, to leave that in order to cleave to, to my wife. And then we moved six weeks after we got married to DC. So we found ourselves in a new city, a uh, new friend group, new church, and it was difficult to walk those things just with each other. And in, we, we now are good at better at clinging, but we really had to clash first. 
Yeah, now we have a lot of gratitude for that season and the foundation that it laid for our marriage. But I think that there was definitely moments and times where there was some uncertainty, not if we were going to stick it out, but how do we actually do this? And I think I love that Hebrews 13 verse that says, never leave or forsake us, and how that was a key element, I know, for myself of remembering, okay, God is with me, and God is with us, and so it took a little of the pressure off so that we could really figure out some of the, now what do we do? We actually purposely moved somewhere when we first got engaged, we said, where, where do we want to live? And we purposely moved to somewhere where we did not have family mm-hmm. or friends, which ended up being in Belton, Texas. And it was hard and good all wrapped up in the same package because we had zero premarital. I mean, premarital was my youth pastor. He was worried about Sean's salvation. And that was it. So we (laughs) had no tools in our pocket except for what we were raised in. And that wasn't enough. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. Just in that time, we did each other. That was what we had. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's really interesting because we we did have premarital, the same premarital that we encourage people to go do great content, but we hadn't walked it out yet. And so because we were mm-hmm. engaged before we were so excited, we were so, in my in my eyes, I was so idealistic. I thought, we got this. We just, you know, everything that premarital said, we're like, oh, we'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll do great at communication, faith. We got it all. But it wasn't until we cling to one another. We were walking the every day together when we realized there's a lot of differences, personality, backgrounds. And I think about that verse in uh, Mark where Jesus reiterates Genesis 2.24, what God has brought together, let no man separate. There were a lot of things in me that wanted to separate Separate. us. And so then I turned and I tried to change Taylor to to become the the wife that that I wanted to instead of loving her and knowing her and uh, clinging. Yeah, I think within ourselves, ways that we were feeling pulled and trying to pull from each other. And then you add layers on that of family and of still growing in our beliefs. And how does that look like spiritually together? Um, You throw in finances, (laughs) jobs, Mm -hmm. eventually kids. It's a lot of balancing and a lot of change in different seasons. Absolutely, babe. We had the same situation, like you said, moving away, being by ourselves. What were some of those ups and downs where you felt like we really had to cling to each other, really had to experience? I think for the first time that I can remember, I go back to whenever God called us to leave Texas and move to Branson, where Sean got training under Dr. Gary Smalley. So Sean went to work for a ministry. We, We knew nobody in this town. So he would go to work all day, use his words, and I was, at the time, Taylor was six and Cade was um, three, and so I knew nobody. So I was with my littles all day, and he would come home and had used all his words. And so it was a really hard time for us because he was doing great things at work, great, great things, helping marriages, yet at our house or our trailer at the time was I felt lonely and isolated. And so that was the first time I really felt we were kind of being pulled apart. Even though you are doing marriage ministry, it felt very separate. Yeah, you can do a lot of great things in life 
and be distracted from your marriage, what means really the most to you in terms of earthly relationships. And we got to that point. You're absolutely right. And I do remember that I was very thankful when I didn't know what to do to help minister to you when you were in that lonely place. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I knew we weren't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I knew we had that's committed right. to yeah. each other. And I think that's something that it's even worth saying when you're in those low right. spots, yeah. you know, just if, if either of you in a moment can say it's, it's, it's desperate, we're fighting, we're not on the same page, this conflict feels like it's ripping us apart. And for either person to say, hey, I don't know how we're going to get to the other side of this, but we're going to do it together. Right. I'm not going anywhere. I know you're not going anywhere. I'm sorry we're hurting like this. I'm really mad at you and you're wrong right now, but we're going to get well, this Well, I think together. it goes back to the word debacle. And in Isaiah, the Lord says, when you pass through the waters and when you go through the fire, and I think that's important. He doesn't say if, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't say, you're going to go around it. He says, when you go through it. And so that debacle is very important because I know probably year two and three, divorce was a word that I used. I threatened with it because I just wanted him to know the severity of my emotions. And so once I realized that I was not creating a safe place emotionally in our marriage that that ended it for us we committed that will not be threatened anymore that word will not be used just to be clear i can always tell the intensity of your emotions. <laughs> <laughs> i may not be able to discern what to do with them but you're pretty clear That's about fair. the intensity of your emotions you know right you know what's great is that reminds me of uh, two quick stories that i'll share from those early early days that first year one we were having a discussion after church it wasn't a discussion. It was a full-on, you know, disagreement in public, and um, I was so upset that I crossed the street, and we walked the same direction but opposite sides of the street okay. for a couple of blocks, mm-hmm. and I remember the relief. First, I felt like a failure because I think that was a, a real fear. I don't want to fail as a husband, but then I realized I'm not work. This isn't working out. My technique, my... Um, it wasn't working out. It wasn't working out, <laughs> and so it was better for me to stop trying to fix... Taylor in my mind and give her some space. We were walking the same direction, but on the opposite side of the street. And then we came back together. We're like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. We're what fighting a great over, illustration. over like, the smallest yeah. thing. And then just like you, Sean, I had a great job. I wasn't fixing marriages that not, not that great, <laughs> but I, I, you know, had a great experience every day at work. And so I'd come home and I would tell Taylor all of these amazing stories. And she was not interested in the very things that, okay. It wasn't that I wasn't interested. It was the timing the the, the storytelling yeah. and the intensity that it was coming in. Here's the point that I'm so glad that you you told me, hey, all I've heard is about the things that you're doing. You haven't once asked how I'm doing. And so had you not communicated that, I wouldn't have known all these tools that we talked about on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that that <laughs> I can see how you're doing and listen and practice all these senses uh, to to connect with you, to cling to you. And so that was a that was a humbling moment. And I, I still struggle with that at times where, you know, start sharing about my day and then not, not ask you. But how, I think it's important what happened there was Taylor shared. She had an open line of communication. And I think communication is key. And it's, it's kind of a product of how you were raised. I didn't know how to communicate. Sean was a better communicator than me and a much better listener. But I think it's important, even if you don't have the words, Mm -hmm. just say to your spouse, I don't really know what it is, but I'm feeling something. That way they can understand why you're kind of sort of 
even putting walls up or feeling disconnected, maybe could be a word. I think it's worth pointing out that in the two stories that were shared there, Christina, you were saying I wasn't coming home and telling Correct. you yeah. what was going on and having discussion because yeah. I'm an internal processor. So I'd, mm. I'd use my words to your point and you were Good. needing to hear something other than kid stuff. And uh, Jose's an external processor in case you didn't know. So he was coming home and giving it all out. And Taylor was like, hey, hey, slow down. I don't I don't need all that. I need you to care about what's going on with me. Y'all needed completely different things, but you were willing to ask for specifically what you needed. And that's the deal. There is no one way. There is no one formula. You can't be listening to this and saying, oh, when I come home, my wife wants me to do this. No, you need to ask her what she wants that's you to do point. and vice versa. You bragged on my counseling. Thank you, babe, for doing that. Taylor Abaroa with us is also a counselor and doing a great job with her practice. And uh, she helped put together what we did on Sunday around this idea of, well, how do we cling to each other through better communication? What are the things that get in the way of us moving toward each other and emotionally connecting? And what are the, what are the things we could do to really get better at that? So hopefully people listening have had a chance to go through some of those, but let's just talk about it for a second. What is it personally out of the list of things that you could do that are not comforting responses? What do you tend to go to? I'll, I'll jump out first because I've said this many times for me, man, I thought I was doing a really good job, um, in communication because when things would go bad, I did what I had learned growing up. And that was, I stayed positive. Mm -hmm. I was this motivational coach optimist. And I thought, man, I am killing it for my family. I mean, they are lucky to have me giving them this pep talk or giving them this, we're going to get through this or giving them the plan for how we're going to get to the other side. And it's not specifically on the list of things that were in the workbook, but really the, the solving for people too quickly, that that's kind of what I was doing there. Pep talk is on there as well. Can you read those real quick for those that don't have the book? Just real quick. Sure. So some people, you know, some, these are things you don't want to do that, that could, could rob you of a chance to comfort your spouse or really cling to them or connect to them in a meaningful way in conflict. So trying to logic things or go to reason uh, and talk them out of their emotions, criticism and blame, um, complaining and comparison, pep talks, what I was just talking about, I do, uh, neglect or minimizing what's going on with them, judgment, like you're, you're always overact this way, um, and then finally solving, which is just kind of too quickly jumping to, well, I can solve that thing that's going on with mm -hmm. you. I think for me, mine would be the complaint and comparison in the way of I would feel defensive. And so I would try to see something that was you were doing. Well, okay, but here's what you did. And it made instead of sitting in what I have done to hurt you, and just having care and compassion for that empathy, I would go straight to well, you won't what the, you did. The other day oh, no. we were given, <laughs> I was trying to give some medicine to Colt, our 12 year old. And, uh, he spit the medicine up and, and he had already made up in his mind that he didn't like the taste mm. of that medicine. And so I was frustrated because mental toughness is something I want my boys <laughs> to have. So I kind of walk away and Christina can tell I'm frustrated. And 
So later she's like, why did you get so frustrated? I'm like, well, I just, I need him to be more mentally tough. Like I want him to be able to, you know, eat things when, or take something, medicine that's going to be good for him. She's like, when you eat vegetables. And I'm like, <laughs> there it is. I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm like, so then all of a sudden it was about me and my yeah. eating habits. And I was like, so, how did we get flipped onto this? So that's what I do. So I apologize. And we talk through it. And But that's what I do a lot because I don't want to sit in my own, um, what I've done. And I don't want to sit in it. And so I deflect very a lot. So I apologize for that. I'm really working on it. So you are quick to quick to apologize these days, which is a good sign. We're all going to mess up, but we're trying to get quicker. I'm a pep talker, just like you, Sean, positive Mm. optimism all the time. And Taylor is really good at telling me. I don't need a pep talk. That is, th- those are words, before this, those are words that have come Y'all out of her it. mouth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can't tell you how many times, hey, I don't need a pep talk right now. Well, and I'm like, really, but it's really good. Yeah. If you just had ears to hear what I have to say, <laughs> you know, this can really, it, every, it works on everybody else. <laughs> so just to be clear, why, why is that bad? Because somebody may be listening saying, well, I would love I for my, yeah, why is a pep talk bad, Taylor, at certain times? Well, for me, uh, you know, oftentimes I am trying to sort through what am I feeling and what do I need? And so when someone else comes in with a really good pep talk, because Jose does give great pep talks. <laughs> if you need one, you know this who to find. Record. This is great. <laughs> Just ask the eighth grade soccer team or eight, eight year old soccer, soccer team. team. Yeah. Um, but for me, I'm trying to figure it out and I, and it can often feel overwhelming and intense when I'm trying to sort through what's going on inside of me. And so, you know, where I go in most of those moments is I'm going to the facts and the logic and the reason, and then I may come around to the solving, Mm -hmm. uh, first, like, what are the facts? What's the reason for that? And then I oftentimes can find a quick solution. But that's also not sitting with a person where they're at. I'm trying to move them through so that they could, so that Jose could get the help that I think he needs (laughs) (laughs) to, you know, reconnect us to joy. What a cool phrase, sitting with the person where they're at. That, that's really what this is about. Like if somebody's in a deep, dark spot, then let's sit with them in that spot. And if somebody's in a celebratory moment, let's sit with them there. That's what Romans is talking about when it says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I think my pep talks, babe, used to just rob, rob you of feeling comforted at right. all or being validated in your hurt. Right. Some of y'all are listening and saying, well, we, uh, we have deeper hurts than what Taylor and Christina are feeling or whatever. So just know that any hurt is hurt. If you have been hurt mm-hmm. through infidelity or an addiction, it's the same. Debauch is the same. We stick together through the high and lows in life. And so not to minimize and, you know, be silly, but it is, it can be something as so small as hurt feelings because the devil hates marriage and he wants Mm -hmm. to take little things, but also big things. We had a loss. We lost a child. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, it was a low, Mm -hmm. very low in my life. And I went through a deep depression, dark. And so I would remember clearly the day that I was mad at Sean, instead of sitting in my feelings, mad that you weren't grieving as I was grieving and saying those words to you saying, I just, I'm mad at you 
because you're moving on. Yeah. And that's really not what was happening. But in the moment that I was taking something that was a low and a loss, very dark, and it was pulling us apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The enemy loves that. He loves to utilize whatever's going on in your life to create division and, and rob you of that connection or that cleanness or that resilient love. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, you know, we're talking around this concept in a couple different ways of how it takes oftentimes one person to enact humility and some vulnerability so and good. just say out loud what's happening in a room. And that's hard to do. I don't love doing that. But when we can get outside of ourselves and just even address like this is hard or I'm upset or I'm hurting or this is a hard time in our lives, it helps us kind of come back to the present, connect back to, hey, we're going to stick this out together. And it takes that pressure and the just the, the crippling fear that can come with that. It actually it brings some alleviation. Intimacy. Yeah. yeah. Really, a connection mm-hmm. deeper. That's so good. And if somebody's willing to do that, willing mm-hmm. to initiate that significant courageous conversation that needs to happen, then I think what was discussed again in the book workbook and on Sunday around what does it look like to emotionally attune in a situation like that is important. So with the last few minutes we have, maybe let's talk about that, this idea that, yeah, there are bad things that you could do, but there are also positive things that you could do to really get better at, at, at listening and to understand at, so at showing care. that one, that list. Yeah. So seeing is the first one that's just noticing. And, and like y'all just said, even if, if you got a husband who's dense, like, like Jose and I sometimes, and we don't see, you can help us to begin the seeing process by saying, Hey, I've got something significant I need to talk about here. Mm-hmm. And Christina, you and I have been practicing this for a while now, but even specifically saying, this isn't something I need you to solve. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just need to connect with you around something big that's going Framing on. Framing the conversation. Yeah, frame that conversation. So whether we see or you have to initiate it through, hey, I need to do this, but you start by that connection. And then next is hearing, which is that focused listening and reflecting what they say. And it's plenty of jokes about this and how counselors you come in and, you know, what I heard you say was. Mm-hmm. And, but the reality is there's something powerful mm-hmm. in that. There, sometimes we're, Taylor, you said you're trying to make sense of what you feel in yourself. And it, mm-hmm. if he pep talks you out of it, you, you don't get it all clear inside your own heart. Mm-hmm. But even as you're making sense of it, if he reflects back, it, it helps you clarify, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, here. yeah, absolutely. So that well, my reflect- pep talks a lot better than just <laughs> repeating what you just said. You know, I'm trying to impress you also with my leadership ability in, in our home. And it's There's- not the same when I just say, so you just said this. And she's like, exactly. And then that makes you feel great. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Works no. every time. That is Yeah, funny. man. When you're trying to be the hero of the trying conversation. Trying to be the hero, you know? I'm trying to <laughs> puff up the chest and show off. Who would have known that real, the real hero of the conversation was the one who, who found deep understanding yeah. in, in the moment, right? So that's the idea is we're trying to correctly understand. And to the joke, Jose was just joking, but you know, it actually says in First Peter, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way uh, so as not to hinder your prayer life. And again, theologically... That's a lot to unpack, but the reality is if we're not willing to listen to understand, it's a big deal. Husbands need to do that. We both need to do that for each other. 
It goes on to say validating, which is identifying with their experience. It doesn't say agreeing with their right. experience. I think that's important. Validating. Um, when you are in conflict and you're, you feel like you've been hurt, just because I'm say, help me understand, Sean, where, what you're feeling, that doesn't mean I'm like, you're right, Sean. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to connect with you and validate that something I did or something the world did hurt you and let's talk about it. So I think that's a very good point. Validating isn't agreeing. Exactly. But validating is saying, I, I can see, I can, I can I see care. why that, I mm -hmm. can see why that would have impacted you the way it did. Um, again, even if you don't necessarily agree, you can still see from your perspective, it makes sense that that would have been the feeling you got from that situation or from what I did in mm -hmm. that situation. Mm -hmm. So then it's got emotionally responding, which is expressing feelings that show care and compassion. Um, that's important. Like you're, you're trying to listen, not just with your brain, but with your heart as well, because that's where God really wants us to connect. And then lastly, it says giving joy, which is communicating your appreciation that they shared it. I think that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, just, Hey, I know that was hard to, to walk through, to say it took courage for you to bring this topic up. And I'm thankful that you did. I just appreciate that you care so much about our relationship that you're willing to do hard things and have hard conversations. We talked about this on Sunday. These can seem very mechanical. Right. They can seem very, you know, dry, unromantic. You know, aren't you supposed to read my mind? Aren't you supposed to sense how I'm feeling? Why would I need to share this? But these are great tools. We talked about this before. I wish that someone would have told me earlier on, just practice this. It's like a workout. The more you do it, the stronger yeah. the, your marriage muscle is going to be, the, the more intimacy you're going to foster in your marriage relationship. And they're really, really good tools. And I have literally said those words. If I have to tell you what is romantic, then it's not romantic. And I have learned <laughs> almost 29 years into this, I'm, I want him to be successful. And I use the term, we are on the same team. So it's it goes back to like, we... We treat other people way better than we do our spouses. We give grace to people. I do in my friendships. I'm, you know, when something happens and she has to cancel or she said something that hurts me and I'm quick to forgive her, but I'm lingering for you. So it's just quick. Like we want to make this marriage mm -hmm. thing successful. And so what does that look like? Telling him some things that would make me feel heard and seen or romantic or here's a date night idea. And it's it does seem mechanical, but... The more you do it, like Jose said, the more it becomes part of your dialogue. Yeah, my favorite part about married people on Sunday was actually before anything started. I was talking to a couple. I asked them, hey, is, has this been helpful? And they said that they had the best week this last awesome. week as a couple that they can remember. And it's only because of the vocabulary, right. literally the resources and the tools. They said, this is not earth shattering. It's not, it's not new, but this has given us an ability to connect with one another. And yeah. a lot of, a lot of the things that they're, 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 they were amazed. Well, it's like real estate agents or psychologists, like you have to do ex what's it called? Edu continuing, education. continuing education, like once a year. In jobs, people are having to continually educate themselves. And I it blows my mind that people are like, I haven't done a marriage still in 10 years. I'm like, what? Like, this is the most amazing relationship that the Lord has given you. Why wouldn't you want to grow it? And it, because here's the deal. I can tell Sean something that I like, and then the next month I've changed. So it's really <laughs> not fair to him, but it's, it's what happens. So yeah. 
Yeah, thanks so much, Taylor, for putting this list of emotional attunement so together because I think it's powerful. I do think it's something that we need to practice. It works everywhere. It works with mm-hmm. your teenagers. It works with your younger kids. It works at work. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't just practice it in your marriage. But first and foremost, the person you want emotional intimacy with yeah. is your spouse. And that's how it was designed. So be careful with that part of it. You want to be emotionally intimate with your spouse by using these techniques these tools these steps and if you practice them you get better and that's what our spouse deserves the best version of ourselves thanks for listening to the conversations podcast be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com see you back for the next conversation